This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I want to go ahead and prepare us for what Congress is not going to do about police brutality. Today, of course, is simultaneously the first day of Black History Month, but it's also the day of Tyree Nichols' funeral in Memphis, Tennessee. And what I know is this. As a few Congress people begin talking about police brutality, they will do nothing. Not only will they do nothing of substance, they'll do nothing at all. Nothing that matters, nothing that resonates, nothing that moves the needle. The United States Congress, when it was completely controlled by Democrats, did nothing. And now that it's split by Democrats and Republicans, we'll continue to do nothing. So go ahead and adjust your expectations. This is not me being pessimistic. It's about us accepting the reality of where we are. Because once you accept that Congress is going to do nothing about one of the most important issues we're facing as a country, just as they've done basically nothing about gun violence in this country, even as it ravages children and becomes the number one cause of death for children all over the country, this Congress, the last Congress, and the next Congress is going to continue to do nothing about the most important issues in front of us. That's bad news, of course, but accepting it helps us understand what we can do, where change might happen, and we can focus in on that. Let me unpack and explain it. Let me tell you what I mean. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. Last night, my 16-year-old son, Easy, he and I, I picked him up from school yesterday, and we traveled to LaGuardia Airport and began making our way to Memphis, Tennessee, to attend the funeral of Tyree Nichols. Memphis is experiencing a snowstorm and an ice storm, and our flight was delayed. First, it was delayed a few hours, then a few more hours, and then they delayed it until this morning, which was going to have us late for the funeral. And eventually, we had to just come on home. The funeral is still today, but I couldn't have my son miss multiple days of school and just was not able to make it. And both of us were not just sad, but just frustrated that these funerals continue to be necessary. And my son, who's 16, in a lot of ways, this case, more even than the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, this case has reached him at a different point in his life where he is now 16. He understands it all better. He's studying it all himself. And even the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, and then before that, the murders of Philando Castile and Alden Sterling, even though 
I was deeply involved in all of those cases. He was a boy, and now he sees himself as a young man. He's getting ready to, you know, think about college. And and in this case, has hurt him. And I wanted him to be able to see what it meant for a family to lay their loved one to rest and continue to fight for justice. And I am frustrated like he is that these funerals are even necessary, that young men and women continue, boys and girls even, continue to be killed by American police. And while there will be some measure of accountability and justice, you've heard me say this a million times, the family of, the family of Tyree Nichols would trade all of this in for Tyree just to be alive. For them, for all of these families, it's not justice in the sense that we know justice. Justice means balancing the scales, and the scales can never be balanced. It's accountability. But what families actually want is for this thing to stop, for police violence to stop. And the people in power, from the President of the United States to the Congress of the United States to local city, county, and state governments, that could actually do something about it, by and large, are not doing the things that will actually move the needle. And I just want to settle something for us so that we can focus on some actions that might actually matter. The United States Congress is not going to do a damn thing about police brutality, police corruption, police violence. They're not going to do anything. No matter who talks about it, there have even been a few Republicans say like, yeah, Congress should do something about this. They're not going to. A hundred percent of Republicans two years ago voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Like, why? Why do you want to protect violent police? Like, what, what's up with that? But there were, really weren't even enough Democrats to support it. And that's the conversation that nobody wants to have. You know, while it passed the House, and, and here's the thing, we could even argue whether or not the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act was going to really move the needle, but we'll never really know because it didn't pass. It didn't pass the Senate, and now it couldn't pass the House because the House is split. Uh, Republicans now control the House and the committees. We can give up anything happening in Congress. Joe Biden did not really make it a priority, and if he says he did, it's a lie. When the President of the United States makes something a priority, and truly expends political capital on it, they can get some things done. And when Joe Biden controlled, and, and Democrats rather controlled the House, the Senate, and the presidency, Joe Biden put a little bit of effort into it and then just gave up. And then people just moved on. And now two years later, we're not going to see anything. Three years later, after the murder of George Floyd, we will see nothing happen in Congress. And, and that is disappointing, and it is bad news, and it is frustrating, because the majority of Americans disapprove of police brutality. The majority of Americans do. 
But the majority of Americans disapprove and approve a lot of different things that Congress never does anything about. Here's the thing. At the point in which a gunman could slaughter dozens of kids in Uvalde, dozens of kids in Sandy Hook, 10 senior citizens, black senior citizens at a grocery store in Buffalo, and Congress do nothing about that? Baby, we're living in a country that doesn't really want to do anything about violence of any kind. Gun violence, police violence. This country is addicted to violence and refuses to do anything about it. And where that leaves us, and I'll talk about this after the break, is where we can actually see some change. It won't be in Congress. It's going to be in your city and in your county and sometimes in your state. We'll talk about it right after the break. We'll be right back. I've been having several conversations with activists and organizers and policy experts and even legislators and elected officials up and down California. I've lived in California, I think, three times now, and my family and I love California. It has been home to us for some of the best years of our lives. We miss it. And some of the best legislation happening right now on police brutality is happening in cities and counties and on the state level in California. And we believe that we are close to there being some cities in California, some counties in California, that are going to ban police from traffic stops altogether. And it will just be unarmed, nonviolent, everyday citizens who are involved in traffic issues. And let me be very real, it's just going to be technology. People are just going to get traffic tickets in the mail. You're going to get them in your email and on your phone. And, you know, people may be pulled over, but it's not going to be by police that would kill you. And around the world, 99% of traffic stops around the world are not performed by people with guns or by people who even there is a remote threat of them killing you or tasering you even. And so I think you're going to see in Berkeley, in Oakland, and in a few other cities and counties, eventually in Los Angeles, which would be major because the LAPD is consistently the largest or one of the largest police departments in the world. And when the LAPD has a policy, it ends up affecting the entire country. And progressives in Los Angeles almost have a voting majority on the city council. And we believe that in Los Angeles, armed police will one day be removed from traffic stops. And when you think about the murder of Tyree Nichols, the murder of Philando Castile and so many others, of, even of Sandra Bland even, all of a sudden you realize how many deaths would be prevented if just this one policy passes. Imagine if it passes statewide. 
in California, the largest state in America. It will save lives. Now, police are going to always find a way to kill people because it's what they do. It's mainly what they've been trained to do. They clearly have so little concern for the humanity and dignity of people. You know, it's the, you know, the metaphor is um, when you're trained to be a hammer, everything is a nail. And police just keep hammering every person, every situation, because that's all they know to do. Just hammer, hammer, hammer. And to them, everything's a nail. And they're beating down and mauling and murdering everything in their track. It's incredibly frustrating. And I am accepting emotionally that Congress will do nothing and we better hunker down and fight for change on the city, county, and sometimes on the state level because that's where change is going to happen. Listen, I love and appreciate all of you Wednesdays are always crazy busy days for my family. Glad to be here with you. But please, please, please go now to the northstar.com. Become a member. Join today. You can do it for as little as eight bucks and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. You can subscribe for free. Please listen daily. Subscribe at northstar.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're having a big, big membership push this month and next month to get us to a million downloads per month. And I know we can do it. We'll see you there. I'll be right back here tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone.